0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talking in Stations. My name is Carneros and I'm your temporary host today. Unfortunately, Rain has a sore throat this morning, so she is standing by with moral support on the sidelines. With me today, I have a couple of guests and that I have, let's see, Shen, NullSec warfare expert from Jakari's, whom you probably have seen before on the show. He is from the and Station staff. And then, also needing no introduction to this audience, we have CSM 17 member Kenneth Feld, who is an industrial guru, longtime pillar of Pandemic Legion, and well known to the EVE audience. Thank you both for joining us. And also, a big thank you to Artemis Albosa who is working the back production boards. How's it going today? Kenneth, can we hear your voice? I'll ask him while he's drinking coffee.
1: (laughs) No, it's actually Coke. But uh, yeah, doing good today. Happy to to be looking forward to the summit next week. So getting ready to go to Iceland. I got to get my layers on because it's like warm here and not so warm there.
0: I hear you. I attended a an eve meet in Washington DC last weekend and i actually busted out some of my icelandic gear also to dress up to go to that cuz it's normally quite warm here in southern california for me it was almost like going back to iceland
1: yeah it's a, yeah i mean it's it's pretty chilly here today it's about 65 degrees but yeah it's still up there that's a whole different level of crazy
0: Amen. How, how long are you going to be in Iceland for this?
1: I fly up Friday night, which means I arrive Saturday morning. These, you know, just kind of get your wits about you. I think Sunday they have something. Oh, I don't remember his name. now. CCP Swift. Yeah. has something planned for us. And then Monday to Friday is pretty much 9am to 5pm. Meetings. I think they have a half an hour scheduled for lunch and a 15 minute break, but that's pretty much 9am to 5pm for five days of meetings. And then I fly home Sunday morning. So that final Saturday, I think that's our day to ourselves. If we want to see any sightseeing or, or do any sightseeing or something like that.
0: Yeah. Have you, have you seen the whole schedule or just a little bit of a frame out?
1: No, we have, we have the complete schedule. Nice, uh, and it's it, it's.
0: The, it's organized the,
1: then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely. AP Swift is is the CSM representative now on the community team, and as usual, he has pretty much everything together. The biggest problem is in the in the past there was a lot of roundtable discussion and stuff, and they've kind of moved away from that. So unfortunately, probably. of what we're talking about is heavily NDA. So I'm really not sure what the minutes are going to look like. I know a lot of people are looking forward to it because we haven't had a summit in three years or two years. This will be the third year. So I I hope we can put together some decent minutes, give people an idea of, of what we talk about and that kind of stuff. Other than that, still looking forward to this, my third year on CSM and my first summit.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for serving the New Eden community in this way. Years ago, I I worked for CCP during CSM five and six, and the best part of CSM summits in those days was taking the whole team out to dinner in the evening afterwards. Okay, we're out of that room. You had a chance to refresh a little bit. We walked around to get to the restaurant. You put a good meal in you, have a couple glasses of beer. Now let's, what else is on your mind? Now let's talk. Those were some of the most valuable discussions as part of it. So yeah, thank you in advance for all your hard work on this coming trip. Very nice. Shen, how are you doing today? Very and well. also, Happy New Year.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that. Happy New Year to everyone uh, who celebrate it. Yeah, like today, I think it's like ten is the first day of the new year too. So yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, excellent,
0: Chinyang Quila. We don't have you on camera, do we?
2: No. Nope. Okay. I don't. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't have a camera so... on my PC yet, so I'm kind of gotta figure it figured out. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Well, I hope I hope this year is really successful for you.
2: Thank you. I mean, I hope too.
0: Okay. So things going on. Actually, while we're we're on the subject of the Lunar New Year, there's some related timing. Let's talk about the new Chinese client for EVE Online. Yeah. Uh, And what else came along with it as a surprise?
2: It's called Restrictions to Tranquility from Mainland China. I mean, this whole thing was the surprise and then we have little to no details. honestly. Like if CCP didn't put that in the patch note, nobody would have any idea. Well, people are going to find out like they can't really log into the game without a VPN. But other than that, there's no other difference. Like not, there was nothing that was hinted. There's no follow-ups. There was no dev blogs. It was just one line on the patch note. That's it. It was. It was, it was okay. such a big surprise.
0: <laughs> My understanding is that if you're in mainland China, you can still log into Tranquility. You use this sort of NetEase accelerator thing that I don't really understand what it is. Yeah, but you can't log into EveOnline.com. You can't log into your account. You can't change your payment methods. You can't purchase anything yeah. that way. You you uh, you can't sign up for a new account. You you can't. Tell us about this.
2: So, okay. So first thing first, I would say that like, I don't right now live in mainland China. So a lot of this is what I've asked people and what I've heard within my lines most of the time. So right now, so what it seems beforehand was that you need a choice, as we call it, to stabilize your connection between like your computer to the client. That was the case beforehand. Like it does cause a little bit for the accelerator, but overall, it's not that big of a deal. But right now, what it seems like is that people need a VPN. So it's a whole other level of connection, essentially, in order to log in. Like, so the thing is, different uh, places in China has a different sort of restrictions. Like it's never been clear what's the difference. But for example, some people have heard like. They can log into the official website. Some people say they just can't log in at all. And some people say they can see the website, but not able to log in. So there's a lot of difference in, uh, even though they're all living in China, there's a lot of difference in how to connect to the client. But one thing is clear, it's like, it's much more difficult right now than before.
0: Can you, now you and I know a little bit about the Chinese government and what their opinion is on on massively multiplayer online games and such but some of the audiences wouldn't know why the chinese government might be interested in having tranquility blocked can you explain the laws around that
2: well the laws is well at least what they meant to is to protect companies that grew up based in china to have a to have a lot of clients for example Google is not allowed in China. so in China we have something called Baidu, which is exact same thing as Google. if China allows Google to operating in China, then Baidu wouldn't exist and therefore it would be lost of jobs and like taxes, whatever it's all that kind of business stuff. So I guess this in this case it would be the similar thing. It's a little bit weird with that is in between because Yes, you are allowed to have foreign games in China, but they have to be co-hosted by a Chinese game company. In this case, it would be NetEase. That's hosting CCP in China. That's why we have the Serenity server before, and now it's the Infinity server, which is like the new server. But with that, I think, I mean, NetEase's name was never mentioned in this thing. But like, there's a lot of speculations and theories out there saying that NetEase has somewhat of an involvement in all of these restrictions. Let's say that.
0: Well, you you want to avoid throwing your business partner under the bus, exactly. Jingle. Yeah, yeah. If you if you wonder what happens if you don't, you can look at the current relationship between Blizzard and, well, no, yeah. we won't go into that. <laughs> There was a brilliant video on the internet this past week where they tore down the the orc statue in China on on video. Oh my goodness!
2: Anyway, it went viral. Let's not go there.
0: Let's (laughs) let's not go go there. there. No, no. No. This is funny because these restrictions to tranquility came what a day or two after the release of a new version of the Eve. In Chinese.
2: Yes. Simplified the day Chinese. Four. Yeah, there'd four, I think. Because the cloud came out on like Thursday and then the restrictions was patched in on Wednesday. So okay, we're like, right. we're expecting all this good stuff, and it's like, what is this? Yeah.
0: Okay, I I lived in China and I could speak a little Chinese, but I can't read and write. So I but I know that <laughs> simplified Chinese is written in mainland China. And yeah. Traditional long form Chinese is used in Singapore, Hong Kong, yeah. Well Hong Kong's now both, Taiwan, and and often among the, the large Chinese diaspora outside of the Chinese territories like Southeast Asia and such. What how easy is it for Chinese people outside the mainland to read the simplified characters?
2: I will say that with the recent years or at least before COVID, more and more people are moving out of China, either for studies, for work or for whatever. So we actually see a lot increase in the amount of simplified Chinese that are used in Chinese communities that's outside of China or mainland China in this case. So I would, I would say it's pretty common to see nowadays, actually. Than let's say we might've seen 10 or 20 years ago where there are more people who definitely recognize traditional Chinese because in China, Traditional Chinese right now, at all to the younger generation. So people, like we can still recognize simplified traditional Chinese, but we're not able to, let's say, read it that well compared to simplified.
0: Okay, thank you for the backgrounder. And by the way, Shen flies with Dracaris, which is an international NULSEC alliance, but is primarily Chinese speaking. Did I get that right? Okay. Okay. Excellent. So so we got an... And and is there also a traditional Chinese client as well?
2: No. So what we were told, at least... So there's a ping sent out by Noros explaining the whole situation. And then one thing that he mentioned... being the leader of fraternity, the 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 largest Chinese group. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So he said CCP was deciding basically between simplified and traditional chinese and then they finally settled down by chinese okay got it i mean uh, in both like the dev blog i, I think and also like, later on another the blog they mentioned this is solely for the purpose for the use of people who live outside of mainland china right this can be seen as Avoiding like right to split the cake with uh, NetEase, because technically all of the Chinese, I mean, yeah, technically all, all the ch- Chinese player who lives in mainland China who wants to play Eve are going to play either on the Serenity server or the Infinity server. So they don't want to did, split their player base, I guess, in that way.
0: I don't know if you can answer this. Did Netties help CCP with this
2: translation? We don't know anything about that, but this, at least, is easy. And I don't know about the work behind it, but they pretty much, from the look of it, grabbed the text pack from Serenity and just basically moved it here. All the names of the okay. ships, all the modules, everything, it has the exact same name. I think okay. even the text looks... Like, like, if you switch to Simplify Chinese right now in the client, it looks different from the English font that we have right now so i mean i would say it's, it looks weird like i'm i definitely was not used to it when i first switched it but yeah
0: okay okay well you know sometimes they might have taken a little bit of a shortcut to save some money
2: oh yeah for
0: sure or get it out faster because they definitely timed it for the Lunar new year celebration that's mm-hmm. That's what one's going to do. Also, I don't know if you saw there was a, a short Plex sale. It's probably yeah. gone now. But uh, there was a short Plex sale, which was also, it wasn't branded for it, but it was aligned for the Lunar New Year yeah. celebration, so.
2: I mean, they still have that, yeah. I think, pack. Or no, they still have the login reward, right, until the 31st of January to celebrate the Lunar New Year. And they have a lot of "Quote unquote serenity skins," at, at least in their names, yeah. They still have this the red stargazer pack for sure as well.
0: Yes, the red stargazer pack. Yeah, good good stuff. That yeah, Marshall skin in particular is pretty sweet,
2: actually. Yeah, I, I think about this pack last year actually for the this pack comes back every year the Lunar New Year festival pack, where they have the a and eye skin and the two uh, suits. One for the female and for the male version of the characters. That skin looks super cool. I would say that. I was I was hoping that's like pattern. I guess applied to more ships, like maybe like a Titan or something like that. Like is is one of the what well, is one of my favorite. let's say that.
1: Okay. That's a that's a fairly common ask is to get the skins from Serenity and that kind of stuff yeah. because yeah. they're they're different in different ways. And so people see them in, in video clips or in pictures or whatever. They're like, oh, where's that from? Oh, Serenity. Oh yeah. Can we get that? But it's, it's not as easy as, you know, one would think. I mean, it's still CCP's IP, but in, in someone else's hands. So that's something the CSM is asked about too. And it would be nice if they came over or, or got a lot bigger mix, but I have no idea if it will eventually happen.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it makes me wonder if there are considerations that we don't know about about who owns the art, or I don't know what to say. Because it, it has been something people have wanted, and they haven't just done it. And it wouldn't be technically difficult, so interesting. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot... I mean, even even the CSM doesn't get into that very much. There is a lot going on there, a lot to unpack. We ask questions, but a lot of times, even the people that we're asking them to, you can you can tell by their faces on Teams when we do our meetings that they may not even know the answer. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, this is, I guess, business end of stuff rather than game design. So, like, I know a lot of people are very mad at CCP to add all these restrictions, but I also just calm down first and then like think about maybe like this this doesn't benefit cp at all in any sort of way so just like maybe this is not what they all wanted as well so yeah yeah
0: but one of the questions some people had immediately when they heard about the new restrictions to tranquility was does that mean our chinese groups are going to suddenly not be able to log in you know our our are we going to see fraternities, fleets, be half the normal size? Are we, you know, what is, what are the ramifications of this sudden change? And, and the answer is, it's not a sudden change. It's going to, we're going to have to let it play out over time and see what happens. It's yeah. just going to be, it's going to be much harder going forward for a new account to be created by someone who lives in mainland China. But we'll see.
2: Yeah. But also, like, I guess they timed it during the new year so they know that, like, for Chinese players, this will be time that they log in the least, too. So, like, usually, like, it's kind of similar to Christmas where, like, people go home, spend time with their family rather than staying on games. So there yeah. will be naturally a drop during this time of the year for Chinese players. But this time was... There's restrictions on. Uh, who knows if some of them will come back, type of thing. So yeah.
0: Okay, let's let's shift subjects now for a moment and go from the Chinese client and the tranquility restrictions. Let's go. Actually, let's go to the war in the southeast, and then we have another big subject to come back to after that. for those of you who, you know, are just tuning in or live in high sack and don't pay much attention. The, the PanFam Coalition has declared war on Final Reunion Coalition that everyone calls FIRE. So PanFam versus FIRE means most of the action is happening in the galactic southeast. There's, all, there's a lot going on. I'm not personally involved in the war, but I, I, for whatever reason, I do get a hostile intel feed. So I can see all the fleets being pinged by both sides, and there's a lot of action happening. Well, at least there are a lot of fleets being pinged. Something like eight or nine regions are involved, and you can see structures unanchoring all throughout these areas. You can see pings for move ops for evacuating stations, There's a lot of activity. People are logging back in to move their stuff. There's a lot on the line. There have been a couple of mishaps along the way where someone scooped a structure and then that structure, that freighter didn't make it out in. If you're someone who has never dropped a really large structure before, there are a couple of them that are so big that you need a full freighter you can't do it with a jump freighter it has to be a full freighter to to pick it up and those are not very defensible and they're not very mobile and maneuverable so and and your heart is pounding in your chest while you're scooping and so we've got up on on the screen here for you i can't Zoom in quite enough to see if that's what. Yep, that one's a Keep Star. Okay. And it, it looks like the Keep Star dropped if you're looking at this lost mail. But one of the PanFam guys let me know that that wreck was actually just destroyed immediately afterwards. So no one collected the Keep Star. Is that right, Kenneth? That's what Gregorin uh, told me.
1: Yeah. As far as I know, they didn't have the. This this was kind of like a, you know, watching what's going on thing. So they didn't have the setup ready to bridge in a new freighter and that kind of stuff. So basically, just to deny loot, they shot the wreck.
0: Yeah. You turn around to your fleet and you go, does anyone have a freighter in system?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, then you need a Titan to get it out and this kind of stuff. So th- yeah. this was just strictly, uh, you know, let's go see what happens and kill it type thing. And, you know, it's only a keep star. So,
0: yeah. And especially since, you know, initiative might not be very far away with a bridge Titan. So you don't want them to get it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if we can't (laughs) have it, nobody's getting it. So Agmar the wreck.
0: Exactly. And then there was another one that wasn't a keep star, but it was also really interesting. And now that one had a Sotio, a Sotio core, and, and a module for building supercaps. So we know what that structure was doing before it got scooped. I, I do want to point out, too, that it takes a long time to build supercaps. So chances are, and this war did not have a lot of warning coming up. It was, a, it was a bit of a, well, at least to me, it was a bit of a fast surprise between Dobbins declaring war and sure start unanchoring. I would bet dollars to donuts that there were people with ships in build at the time this unanchored and was scooped. So they would have... Well, Kenneth, tell us what happens and what your options are if you're building a super cap in a sotio. the job is running and you find out the Structure is unanchored.
1: Well, it, it depends. If it delivers within seven days, you can deliver it. But if it doesn't, it goes it goes poof. Now, when you unanchor it, though, it will not show on the kill mail like that. If you killed it, anything in build the build materials would would be part of the drop. But because it was unanchored, it would just go poof. But I'm going to look up that system right now. I highly doubt anyone had any super caps in build. But one thing about that particular module, that module is very special in that if you have, oh no, it's only a capital. It's not a super capital. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I'm just looking at it now from myself.
0: it's too small on my screen to see.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's just a, it's just a capital shipyard. So if they had any caps in build, but they typically only take, four to six days. So even if they put them in right at the end, they could have gotten them out. But back to my point, if it was the super capital shipyard module, that does allow you to build caps as well. So a lot of people just put that one module in and can still build caps. Okay. But you still need the manufacturing module to build the parts. So unless they had an Asbel there and building parts, this is probably a portion of something either way. It got either that or they pulled all the modules out, left the capital module in to finish the last of the caps, delivered them, and then unanchored, and that was the only module left in it. That's probably a little more reasonable expectation, which you can infer from that that they probably delivered all the caps before it unanchored.
0: Okay, hypothetical. Let's say you are an industrialist and you're building a supercap in a structure and you look at it and it's unanchoring and you look at your time on your job and it's not going to deliver in seven days. It's going to take eight days. Are you better off canceling the job yourself or letting it get automatically canceled as the structure is scooped?
1: I would always – I would never cancel it because if you cancel it, it, it's gone, right? There's no no way to do it. But if you're unanchoring, one of the kind of tactics Tactics. for unanchoring would be to unanchor it and let everyone get like a a number in their mind of, okay, yes, that's when it's coming out because only the corp who owns it has the real time in their notification. Everybody else – gets it from flying around, hey, that's unanchoring. That wasn't unanchoring four hours ago. So they have like this four hour window where they know, hey, there's gonna be a freighter here, let's jump on them, much like init did on this one and pandemic horde did on the or or PL did on that Keepstar kill, right? So they start stalking the area and they start looking at it. But what you can do is talk to the owner and say, hey, I got something in build. I need two more days. So, they wait till like the third day and they stop the unanchoring and immediately restart the unanchoring. So, that pushes out the time three days. So, when someone saw it unanchoring originally, they think, oh, in seven days it's going to come out. So, they start camping the system, but it, it blows through that time. And once they get another couple hours past it, then they know someone rolled that timer and you get your build. You complete it, you jump in the ship, and then at that point, even if it blows up, then your ship just gets ejected with you in it, right? It won't be a drop anymore. So that's a few tactics that you can use, but you have to be very selective in what your what your your timer is going to be, and you can roll the timer to to throw off the people who are hunting you to make it happen, if that makes sense.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I would say that's like kind of like a common tactic in like a lot of uh, what we'll call frontline big structure, like 40s hours and like ad spells, like where you know that hostiles are looking at it, but you just want to trick them into thinking that like this is the time you're gonna uncarry and just do it like back and forth like a few times to throw really throw people off. And
1: that, that system has a <laughs> the
2: Artemis. other
1: yeah. The other thing is once you extend that timer it gives people a chance to just shoot it and you can't extend that timer. So it's, you know, two, two things there that can go wrong, but that's your only chance of getting the ship out is extending that timer slightly to go past when your due date is for the ship.
0: Oh, shoot. Did they not hear Artemis in the chat? She just told a really good story about her staging structure being accidentally unanchored when they didn't really intend to oh well
1: yeah they the, they tried to roll the timer and the ceo forgot to wake up or or roll the timer in a in a in a time period that was effective and basically it actually unanchored before they could roll the timer
0: ouch oh well and i can i can picture the pandemonium in that moment where suddenly your structure is sitting in space and oh quick get a freighter scoop it
2: quick 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 everything you have on this station asset safety
1: yep you just lost everything for five days yep five days minimum i should say
2: if there's another structure that you have in that system then yeah yep if not see you in mosec yeah. All right.
0: So, what, Kenneth, do you have any stories to tell from this war at the moment? Have you had time to participate at all? I've heard that there have been a few Keepstars and, and Fortizars that didn't end up having a fight over them. They weren't defended. But then a few others that were defended.
1: The EFM Keepstar got killed, and I don't think that was defended. That one went down. And of course, it's a keep star, so you don't really get the loot list, other than just the the primary pieces. But I think that one went down yesterday or the day before. But I haven't, yep, that one, yeah, I haven't really had a chance to mess with too much stuff. I'm getting ready for a trip to Iceland and all, so I didn't deploy. I'll deploy when I come back.
0: Well, this is moving pretty fast. You might have, from from my outside view. You might have missed some of the action by then, and it might be down to just cleanup. But, you know, a lot of people enjoy the cleanup.
1: I actually, I actually don't mind shooting structures, me and three other people and EVE probably. But, yeah, you're right. If, if as, as much unanchoring as there is right now, I don't know how much there's going to be left other than entosis. maybe just to, just to glass all the eye hubs. But that may be. I mean, I think that was the stated objective, anyway, right? Was to kill all the iHubs, remove all the structures, and then just pack up and leave. I mean, obviously, we don't want to live there, so.
0: Right. Okay, so let's let's go from the war itself to nullsec corporations and alliances, and actually lowsec and highsec corporations and alliances. Let's talk about. Corporations and alliances for a moment, because there's stuff happening in that area. I want to draw your attention for a moment to the recent producer's letter. Artemis, can you, I'm going to put a link for you, but.
1: Yeah, for people who don't know, this was a letter written by the producers basically to the community. And it kind of was a, a forethought to what they're kind of working on and, uh, and the direction that Eve's going to go over the next how many ever years.
0: And I want to direct you about halfway through the letter for a moment to my favorite part, you know, as the guest host today, I can sort of steer it toward my favorite part for a moment. And I'm going to read this to you for a second. An issue many leaders face is the funding of their organizations. We hear this time and again, where player corporation and Alliance leaders of all sizes and areas of space need to lean on taxes from bounties or the goodwill of a few through donations to run their organizations. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. I will I'll tell folks who don't know me, I used to run an alliance called the Bastion. This was our logo here. Did that for 8 years and before that I ran a smaller alliance called LI3 Federation. This is this is a subject I have brought up many, many times to CCP privately or publicly that the funding system is not adequate. It it probably has never been adequate, and it has degraded over time. For example, I'll give you an example of the degradation. It used to be that a lot of people ran in NULSEC Ran nullsec anomalies, shooting rats in order to make their money, and then a portion of that would end up as taxes to the corporation. Over time, the proportion of the player base who earned their income from this form of ratting has gone down over time. And some of the new things that came in and took their place, such as the marvelous crab beacons that you can run with capital ships, well, only a third of that income comes as a tick that is taxed and then can go to that two-thirds of that income is non-taxable. So, I mean, these kinds of trends have led to fewer and fewer passive funding options for the corporate alliance. Kenneth's corporate alliance, Pandemic Legion, was famous for establishing passive moon mining of valuable moons as the preferred method of funding an alliance. Am I saying that in a fair way, Kenneth?
1: Oh, absolutely. We had a pretty much a lock, especially before fatigue. I mean, you know, you attacked a PL moon, it didn't matter where it was, you were gonna be staring at a couple hundred titans and supers and God knows how many dreads in about 12 seconds.
0: I wasn't fully passive. There were a small handful of volunteers trusted by upper management who had to run around and collect all the goo, process it, sell it, you know, refine it, or, et cetera. But that was how they paid the bills. And that was important.
1: So a so. couple things, not to, not to cut you off here, this People, There's some people that are not connecting the dots, and I have to be careful with what I say here because this is quite a bit of the summit. I imagine it's going to be dedicated to this. But if you look at the new Evermarks, that is basically a loyalty-type currency. And for those of you who run those alliances, every time a member does something to receive loyalty points, the corp also gets loyalty points. So they have developed mechanisms for this stuff that could potentially be used for other things we don't know. So there are are things in the works The producers have acknowledged it publicly. Some of this may end up in the category of be careful what you wish for. You may get it in typical CCP fashion, but some of it may actually be be useful a couple of things that i would like to see the blue loot and this kind of stuff instead of just going to an NBC station and just selling it to buy orders maybe there's a mission where you go to someone and you say hey i want to turn this stuff in and they give you a mission for x amount of blue loot and then you get the isk that way but then it's a mission so the isk value is taxed Right, as opposed to being a a a transaction at a market, if that makes sense. So there's ways around this stuff. We just have to come up with creative ways to change the non-taxable stuff into taxable. And the same thing with the loot from the crab. The same thing with the loot from abyssals. All that stuff to just just get sold to market orders. Same thing with the tier overseer effects things that you get from the Plexus. Same type deal. Turn that more into missions rather than just a market transaction. And then everybody can get cuts of it. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So one of the other ways you can get these Evermarks is through the daily login campaign. You are encouraged, you know, to Log into all of every character every day so you can go, you know, click on that daily login campaign. And sometimes they ha- will give away Evermarks. When you see that, keep in mind that they're actually giving away two Evermarks every time they do that one to the player and one to the corporation at the same time. So if you've got three characters on that account and you're looking at them, and which one do I give the Evermarks to? Keep in mind that you're not only giving it to that character, but you're giving it to that character's corporation. So you might want to think about that as you factor it in. And one more thing, the very first set of Evermarks given away is expiring now in your queue. So go look to see if your distribution queue has any of those that are about to expire and redeem them before you lose them. Public service announcement.
2: Yeah, and then so far, like pretty much every, okay, that was not pretty much every ship, but like a lot of ships. Right now you can use the Evermarks and get your emblems, but there's still some ships that you still are not able to, like, namely like the Capitals and the Super Caps. Dreads, you're able to, freighters and jump freighters, I think, you're able to get the emblems on. But things like Titans and like super carriers, their evermarks, uh, their their emblems are still to be released. Uh, they're not in the game yet.
1: Yeah, pretty much every time we have a meeting with with CCP Ritati, that's one of my first questions. Is you know that and the corp evermarks? Because I get that question almost every day in 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 Discord. Hey, when can we? What are, what are these millions of evermarks for that I have in my corp? What what do we use these for? So, you know, there, there's obviously plans there and they talked about it a little bit at FanFest and I don't know what's been said publicly, so I'm kind of skirting around the corners here, but but there was there was definitely plans shown at FanFest and, and they do have plans to use those. Just, you know, it takes a little time to implement all this stuff. The more important point is the fact that the player gets something and the corp gets something at the same time because that mechanism is what's going to enable a lot of the other things hope i said that around the yeah horn i mean good enough
2: it's kind of like the, the thing with tax is you're kind of taking away your members into your corpse wallet and that doesn't like not every time people are happy with that right like if you for example increase your tax rate or having more other ways to tax your members that basically reduce their final income, not everyone's going to be so happy about it. So I feel like this is a really new way where you you get the Evermarks in your own character's wallet, but it's like replicated to your corporation's wallet right away. So there's not much of a losing in the process.
1: Yep. Uh, well, but that's how Evermarks were designed, right? And Evermarks have no value. <laughs> It's all cosmetics, right? So that one's a little bit different, but when say when they introduce this, when they redo if they redo missions and everything kind of all at the same time and refactor in all the rewards, then there'd be so many pieces changing at one time you couldn't necessarily tell what's good or bad for taxes and this kind of stuff. everything would would start over fresh. so. And the other thing that I am really pushing for is much like the mining change, start consolidating stuff. The Amar has like 7,800 different corps with LP, I think. And this one sucks. This one's good. This one sucks. You never know what. Someone's starting out in the game. Oh, I'm going to run missions for this because the system looks cool or this dude's got a cool name and then all of a sudden you realize you have all this LP that's worth like 3 3 isk each but if i'd have gone next door in this ugly station with this dude with a bad name then that LP is worth 1200 isk per LP right so we need we need to find a way to lump that all in under amar and then start consolidating a lot of that stuff because it just doesn't mean anything anymore and it will help once we go because even if a corp gets LP, then like you said, someone trusted from the corpse going to have to go somewhere and spend that LP and then either bring that stuff back to the corp or take it to Gita to sell it or wherever you want to sell it, that type of thing. So there's still going to be some work on the back end there, probably less work than moons were, but nevertheless, there will be some work on the back end there if that does come to fruition that you're you're gonna have to look at. But overall it's more the mechanism that we're that I'm worried about now. CSM eighteen or nineteen will probably have to more worry about the, the second secondary and tertiary parts of that.
2: Yeah, I mean there's also that part of getting the Evermarks. Like it's very annoying to I would say that together like every day to basically you have to stay in that station essentially at this point it's in, almost impossible to move like to jump back and for 20 jumps, at least for me, yeah. to get the remarks every day. It's, it's we, something we like... We have,
1: I have asked, I can say this, I have asked for them to be like a weekly thing and you can do like a week's worth at a time type deal. And that way you just go like on a Saturday and you can do say seven of them and then you would be locked out till next Saturday and then you could do seven more type thing. More like a rolling seven days. So like if you go 10 days, you couldn't do 10, you could only do a max of seven, but it would keep people from having to clone jump back and forth and that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's gonna happen. That's just, I've suggested it and I, I will say that other CSM have suggested the same thing. Whether or not it happens, I can't talk about that.
0: Okay, great. Well, we're we're watching this area I'm personally expecting to see more, more announcements from CCP in the direction of corporate and alliance earnings and changes and how people make money over the next 12, 18 months. And I expect to see something on this at the next FanFest, which is still you know, quite a ways off. They have plenty of time. We might be used to FanFest coming in April, May, June, but this year it's in the fall. So that they've got a little bit more time to work. Not that CCP does a lot of work during the summer itself. They basically take the month of July off, more or less. And I actually don't know if CSM 17 will sort of be extended a little bit longer because of the change in FanFest date, but i I don't think they've said anything out loud, so I don't think Kenneth can say anything either
1: right we We have talked about it. I specifically asked i i hmm they say I don't think you're going to see any like gigantic changes, if anything, maybe a couple weeks at most to kind of time stuff out, but you also don't want to be. As you said, a lot of CCP takes vacation in the summertime, so you don't want to move CSM onboarding out to where there's no one there to onboard them with. So there's also that side of the coin too. So I don't think it's going to move much, if any.
0: There's a question in the chat about Eve Vegas, and my understanding is they're they're seriously considering doing two this year. You know, one the weekend of June. Eighth, ninth, tenth, and then one again in the fall. We'll see how that goes. They haven't announced it. The organizer channel that I'm in, as one of the helpers of the organizer, hasn't been ready to quite announce it yet, due to the the deal for hotel rooms. It's not quite finished, but we'll you know we'll talk about it on here when we can. That'd be a good Artemis. That would be a good person to maybe have on a future show, by the way. Grey door. Anyway, let's see what's next. Did we did we cover the the Corp and Alliance income subject enough? I think so. There was a question in the chat also with, regarding NullSec Wars and market volatility. And Kenneth started to answer it a bit in, uh, in chat there. A long time ago, Nulsec alliances used to rely more on the Jita market and the public markets to stock their ships. The market let them down one or two times. They weren't able to react with a doctrine change fast enough. And they got burned. Is that... Is that a fair description, Kenneth? That's what happened to me and Sebastian. So now doctrine changes are slightly slower. You tell your in pocket industrialists first, they build a thousand or X number of them first. And then you roll out your doctrine change to your people and say, by the way, the ships are up on contract, stuff like that. Kenneth, how do you do it?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I get a direct message from headliner. Hey, how long would it take you to build 300 Lokis or, you know, 500 Slepniers or whatever, you know, right? When the Munin change got announced, within 20 minutes, my inbox was, hey, how long to build 300 Slepniers? Because you could just basically take the fit and just move it right over. And I was like, six days. And he's like, do it. And six days later, we had Slepniers, right? So. It's just, that's just the way that it is. Now, for other things, typically you have to look at a couple different sides, right? You have to build the ships and you have to build the fits. For the slepniers the fits were already pretty much done. You just had to, to move them over. But yeah, it's just strictly how fast can you build X in this number? And then that's how long till the doctrine comes out.
2: Yeah. I think I would say before we move on to, other stuff it's like there are, if we all we're not going, only gonna look at income but also alliance has to spend a lot of money too right like one thing i think a lot of people don't consider at least living a nosec alliance is the I- iHub fee it is at least i don't know for other lines but like alliances who takes a lot of stuff is a huge um expense on their part srp fuel structures and i fee, i think those are the quite a few big ones especially like if there's any like cap battles or like there's big expenses to or switch to a new doctrine right Where you need to buy back the old one or you need to like at least put in the isk to buy the new one before you actually sell it on your contract right there's a lot of stuff that alliance needs money on so like there's reason why we're saying alliance needs incomes in in other forms because there's a big hole there left for people to plot in.
0: SRP ship replacement program is, can go up and down. If you're at war, it can be a lot. It can be a lot of money. If the same with one of the things we would offer our people is if you're willing to fly your capital ship or your super capital ship in combat fleets, we would pay for your fuel for those operations so even if you don't lose your ship and have to worry about srp the corporation or the alliance would still have some financial obligation because it can be a lot of fuel to move your supercap fleet halfway across the galaxy and back or if you're or if you're extracting assets from a region like fountain that you're going to lose in a war Coming up, for example, the jump freighters and, uh, you know, Titan bridges and all of that effort to move all that stuff out can be a lot of fuel. You, know, they're, they're, you need to have a nice, big, fat nest egg of money for your alliance waiting there in case of a war so that you're ready to do everything you need to do. And that, you know, that income has to come from somewhere. Any more comments, Kenneth or Shen or Artemis? Although, Artemis, you have to get your mic to work if you're going to talk.
1: No, no. I mean, that's one of the the old cliches was you would war and run the other guy out of money, right? Because Jita always had enough stuff. But once you ran him out of money, then they couldn't go to Jita and buy more ships. However, the new war is resources. Right. ISK, everyone, all the big alliances pretty much have access to as much ISK as they need. It's resources. Now, if you look at the war back in, in Delve and all, once the new things came in for industry, you couldn't just out and replace 500 dreads like you could before. Right. So now the war had shifted from ISK because everyone had ISK, but you didn't have the resources to build 500 dreads. So that's kind of the whole paradigm has shifted from IS to, to resources. Now, IS can buy you resources, I get it, but there's only so much available of the new stuff. More and more is coming every day, but still that whole paradigm has shifted and people have to get a, a handle on that. So a lot of the new war stuff, like, oh crap, we lost this, we need to, to replenish it. By the time that you've said that, if you don't already have something built up, you're pretty much screwed, which is going to be a, a huge undertaking for the smaller alliances to have nest eggs that don't just contain ISK and maybe not even resources. You may have to have fully built stuff ready to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do want to tip my hat to Hurricane Warning in chat who has bought every BPO in the game and has been building stuff since 2016. Nice. yeah,
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think remember one of the promotion videos he put out is saying like there's a big war going on, like a third party corporation would get a lot of like orders. That usually more happens inside the lines rather than like just an industrial group outside the alliance type of thing. I mean, I guess more common in low or high sec, I guess, but like in NOSEC, it's more like you want to, your is to stay inside your alliance, either like you, you put orders into your alliance corporations or allies, and then I guess look for market in that order. Any other questions or anything we should bring up, folks?
1: Before the end of the show, we definitely, I think we need to talk about ESI, right?
0: Oh, yes. Ah, you want to get it started?
1: Yeah. Okay, so ESI, it's, in my mind, vital to the game, because there are so many things, especially for industry, there are so many things that you cannot just get, right? Like the cost index and this kind of stuff, it only comes from the game, you can't, figure it out nothing that number only comes from the game without it none of the third party industry sites work period they just don't work the market endpoints without that in order to make all of those work you'd have to go into game and start writing down how much each everything costs and it it would literally make it horrible right now Is there too much information available for some things? Maybe. Like if you look at Dotland, the number of kills per hour, the delta kills, that kind of stuff. However, that information is available in game. All you have to do is open the map and and tick the right box, and it shows you right on the map. So uh, there's a lot of people who want next to no information in ESI, and there's people that want basically the entire game available for ESI. And then there's you know, everyone in the in the middle. I'm not going to get into that because that is somewhat what we're going to be talking about at the summit. However, the entire public part of the endpoints that started this conversation uh, is twofold: The public endpoints for the market, which brought the market endpoint down a couple months ago before Christmas. And I don't even think that's back up yet. And then the public endpoints for the character sheet or whatever went down Monday, they moved the cash from one day to seven days, and then yesterday or the day before, they moved it back to one day. The problem with public endpoints is any screwball with a Google sheet can just hammer the crap out of them, and there's no way to figure out who it is because it's public, one, two, And I am not a computer guy here, but something about AWS and IPs and they can't tell this. or They can't even tell what country it's coming from, right? It's just some Amazon void. And anyway, so that's about all I can say from that. I would personally like to see any endpoints require authentication. So it can be public, meaning... I can go in as me from someone from PL. And if I want to see Carneros's character info, and I think you're in goons now. I know Bastion's kind of not around anymore, but whatever corp you're in is definitely not in PL, right? But I can say, hey, I'm Kenneth Feld. This is my auth token. I want to see Carneros's public information and it would give it to me. But if I start abusing it, then CCP can say, hey, that Kenneth Feld guy's doing some shady crap. We're going to turn his stuff off. Boof, my stuff's gone. And there's been people who've made programs in the past that have caused abusive behavior. But for the most part, it was just they wrote the code wrong and their program went haywire and went nuts. So then CCP turned it off. And all the third-party devs are in a Discord together and called them up and said, hey, this program went nuts. You need to fix it. And they go, oh, really? And then they go look at their logs. Oh, yeah, this went nuts. Oh, I put a colon here instead of a semicolon or some coding thing, you know, omni-domni, it got fixed. And they say, okay, it's fixed now. Can you turn it back on? They turn it back on and it works, right? And that happens. Not terribly often, but it, but it does happen, right? But they knew exactly what happened and all that kind of stuff, and could just click, turn it off, and it didn't affect anything past that couple minutes where it was going haywire. with the public stuff, they don't have that luxury. So I would like to see all of the public stuff require some sort of auth, meaning someone has a character in the game. You get a token and you say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I want this information. And that way they know who's abusing it and who to turn off so that that information is available to them, right? And I I personally think that would solve all the problems. However, I don't know shit about computers. That may just cause 10 more problems, but mm, that's what I'm pushing for. Now, what's going to happen or whatever, don't know.
0: All right. Yeah. As an individual, I want to be able to make, I want my public information to be available for people to check so I can identify who I am. I want to do something and get a service in greater New Eden. That's outside of my, my corporation and my alliance. And then internally, my, my corporation and my alliance have secure communication software that we want to use to talk to each other. Well, we need to make sure that the people in the group are the are really the people in the group to do that. So we need the ESI endpoints in order to validate that yes this person is in my corp. Oh, actually that person left. Well, we need to turn it off now. You know, that that kind of thing. These are these are important Things Because CCP has designed a game for which trust is a valuable, difficult aspect of the game. It's a valuable resource. And in order to, to have trust work in a game like this, you need to be able to identify who someone is on a timely basis.
1: That's another thing that came out of this discussion. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into it too terribly much but they did talk about it in the forum post so i can i can say a little bit so the public endpoint you can get the information that you're talking about from it um for for communication software and this kind of stuff however if you're in that situation and you've given that entity your esi there are authorized or authored endpoints that they can get the data from more easily and more efficiently. So people with large organizations should not have been affected by this. If they were, then they maybe need to start looking at some other things. I'm not going to say any more about it. The guys who develop know what I'm talking about. However, is that,
0: is that also equally true for wormhole corporations?
1: Yes. However, the software that I know that there was a problem with was a Tripwire, I think it is, the software would have to be rewritten so that, so say someone joined a wormhole corp and they put their ESI in. If you use an endpoint, I think it's affiliations. That gives you what corp they're in, and that's a really short timer. But that, in order to get that return, you have to have their ESI token. Whereas for public, if you put in a public, or if you put in no ESI token, and you look at this guy, and it says, hey, he's in this corp, then you can just stick him for group or communications thing. So that's kind of, I think that's why Tripwire, Tripwire works differently. But for someone that's in Goons or someone that's in PL that has all of your tokens in, they can use endpoints that are more dedicated to solving that riddle than a public endpoint, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. Yeah. Kenneth is in Pandemic Legion. I'm I'm in Goon Swarm now. If you wondered what happened to me, I... I took on a new job. It's a big, it's a big job. <clears throat> and I had to give up a couple things I was doing the Tuesday night Carneros and chill, the Twitch stream gone the bastion. I still have the, the Alliance on an alt, but it's, it's put to sleep. I've placed all the corporations of the bastion into Goonswarm Initiative, Dracarys, Get Off My Lawn, Tactical Narcotics, IGC, various people. And then whoever was left, I had us I have a small corporation that I moved into Goonswarm called the Night Watchman. So I still run a little corporation of about 35 people, not all of whom speak the same language. It's very funny. We're a blend of English, Russian, and Ukrainian speakers together, which is an unusual combination in today's world, but it's working. I'm in good But enough about me. Oh, I I still play Eve though. It's nice. I have less responsibility on my shoulders and I can join fleets and stuff and have fun. I like it. I'm in every day, but We've covered ESI, the war, corp income, the Chinese stuff. Was there anything else on our list, Artemis?
1: If it, Something just brought up something they've been asking about industry stuff. If I could plug tomorrow. Nick oh, Bosa, sure, please. Nick, Nick Bison and I have been doing an industry series. We did a couple, and then the holidays got in the way, my travel schedule, and this kind of stuff. But uh, the next series is going to start tomorrow. There's no set times for anything. It's just whenever we're both available. I don't even really know what time it's probably going to be on, probably about the same time, 1,600 in-game. And the next one that we're going to start talking about is, I'm not going to sit there and go through and tell you what to build to make the most money because that may change tomorrow. But what, what we are going to go through is kind of, to teach you how to look and figure it out fairly quickly and then probably start touching on a few of the tech two items and a few of the capital components that you can start putting together and move the volume that you need to at least try and make some
0: isk. The funny part is I almost wore my Nick Bosa jersey on the camera today since the 49ers are playing the Dallas Cowboys in oh about five hours, something like that.
1: That was just my accent you heard. I actually said Bosun, like the, the DD weapon, not. That, okay. was just, that was just the redneck version of Bosun, but yeah.
0: I, I hear what I want to hear. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know squat about football if it's not SEC. And even then, I don't really care about it. I just need to know which, friends of, which one of my friends to pick on because they lost this week.
0: Yeah. Okay. Artemis didn't ask me to guest host today, so we could talk about football, though. Oh, there was a fight in Poshfen, You're right. Yeah, go for it. I was in this fight. Um, Gregorin from our staff was in the fight, too. We each primaried the other's character at least once, and both of them lived. That was funny. This is a, well, a bit of a simplified version of the, of the business. There, there were at least four factions present, as far as I could tell. There was Panfam and supporters. There was Imperium, who were, in this case, the aggressors in this situation. Panfam were defending an existing fortizar in Poshven. Imperium were attacking that Fortizar and Poshvan, brave and no, I don't want to say brave. I want to say B2, which is the name of their coalition. It used to be called Greater Trash Coalition plus Brave, and now it's B2, and they're all in one thing. They were a third faction there, and I think they were honorably third partying. And then there was a fourth faction there that were stain, or. A stain-related group. I think it was good something. Thank you, Hurricane. I will be watching that game, by the way. So of those four groups in there, let's see. PanFam brought a lot of things. They brought, I saw Slepnir fleet. I saw other large fleets. I saw, Kenneth, do you remember, what? were you there? No,
1: I was not, and I don't know anything about it.
0: Okay, on our on the Imperium side, we brought a sacrilege fleet, which is one of the things that we switched to in the demise of Munins, and then we had a second fleet that were in Stormbringers, which are kind of a a, a humorous meme style fleet where you bounce around and shoot things just for fun, you know, not you know, obviously. Not useful in the least for attacking a Fortizar. They're the worst ship you'd want to take, but are a lot of fun. And then, at one f- at one point, there was a moment when the Stain Group in Tornadoes bounced over next to the Stormbringer fleet and shot one of the Imperium vessels in it. And that was the wrong thing to do because now suddenly they don't want to ignore that group and focus on Panfam. Instead, they turned and shot that group. And the way Stormbringers work where the, the lightning arcs to 10 additional ta- targets, it went right through the Tornado fleet and just cooked them like French fries. And most of the fleet just popped oh, no. in, one, in one go. Anyway, that was, that's a bad combination. Don't bring tornadoes to a Stormbringer fight. What can I say? I wasn't in that one. I was in the Sacrilege Fleet attempting to shoot the actual structure itself. PanFam, we, we had a pretty much close-range, shoot-each-other-in-the-face kind of fight that went on for a while. Ships were dying on both sides. It was bloody. It was actually the most fun I've had in a full tie-dye fight in a long time. And in the end, the structure was preserved. The battle report was pretty substantial. I think it would have been even if it weren't for one guy's crazy expensive pod he brought you know, both sides more or less went home happy, or all sides went home happy. Pandemic horde declared victory and then told people to evacuate that structure right away. I should point out that that structure is important, as it is the last Fort in Poshven. And it is not currently possible to anchor a new upwell structure anywhere in Poshven with any amount of permissions. So what's there is there. If you want to, it's the only one out there. there. There was a narrative line about Imperium ships being undervalued on Z-Killboard. In fact, Z-Killboard doesn't reflect the value of a lot of ships. They, it values it. Am I right, Kenneth, that it values it based on the... the uh, minerals content of them and not based on what it actually would cost if you wanted to go buy a built version of that ship in the market
1: yeah z gets their data from ccp and that's one of the things that we need to work on because that yeah the data is definitely skewed and part of it too is because Gita isn't jita right Gita, a lot of Gita stuff is I don't want to say scams, but it's definitely memes on certain things due to volumes because all the null set guys are building themselves and stuff. So you kind of have to be careful when they do these prices, but that's all the game has to go by because everything else is contracts, right? So uh, they're going to have to make some decisions here soon of of how they calculate that stuff. And it's going to affect a lot more things than just Z-kill. I can't really answer that, but yes, you're right, Okay. but the fix isn't quite as easy as just figure it out, right? There's more, more inputs to it than just that.
0: Also, I was wrong about something else, though, which is it, that, that particular Fortizar is not the last Fortizar in Pashran. It's just the last hostile Fortizar in Pashran. There's another one in another location that doesn't belong to the enemies of my faction. So I hadn't been thinking about that one. I actually didn't know it was there. I don't actually spend much time in Poshven. It's some place that is visited on special occasions. Anyway, we each have our, our viewpoint on what's hostile and friendly in this game. Aren't they all considered hostile to one person or another? Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Even Purple Helmeted Warriors has a Fortizar and Poshvin. Oh, interesting. I think of them not so much as an enemy, as more a chaotic entity. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for remembering that particular thing, Artemis. All right, I want to thank everyone for coming today. I want to thank our panelists. I want to thank Artemis for doing all the hard work on the back end. It is appreciated. I want to thank our sponsor, HiSec Buyback Program. If you're in HiSec, sell them your stuff. I want to invite you all to come back next week, by the way. We're working on a special program for next week as well. And by we, I mean mostly Artemis, but thank you.
1: Yeah, Uh, from what I've seen about next week, I think it's going to be a pretty cool show. I don't know if I'll be able to watch from Iceland or not, but I'm kind of looking forward to it.
2: Don't forget watch tomorrow for the industry episode from nick and kenneth did you
0: guys just hear artemis she said to watch tomorrow for the episode with nick and kenneth on industry all right what time is that tomorrow do we remember
1: i don't think we've set a time yet per se but it's probably going to be around 1600
0: sweet okay All right. Thank you very much. It's been my honor to come back and guest host today. Thank you to Ron for getting a sore, Rain for getting a sore throat. And I appreciate it.